to the Wealth Radar podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing in personal wealth. I'm Paul Fowler, and joined by my brother Jason. We are certified financial planners from Fowler's Group, and in this episode, we'll be discussing ESG, sustainable, ethical investments. So, what does ESG mean? What are the pros and cons of these styles of investing? I think it's um, it's quite interesting topic. It's come up a, a little bit of late. I know we've got a couple of newer clients that we've taken on in the the last couple of years, where this has been a particular mm. focus for them. Um, and I think you've got some numbers. Like it's a massively growing area, Borga. Oh, it's it's huge. So um, if we talk about these investments over the last, they look at the numbers in about. So if we look at 2014, for example, yeah. there's about 15. These are big numbers, right? Yeah. 15 trillion dollars invested in ethical style of investments um fast forward through to 2022 that's up to about 50 trillion wow. in that short period of time and certain pundits depending where you read they're suggesting by the end of 2025 total assets under management globally a third of it will be by esg style investments yeah i think especially i mean i know as part of the guy group that we're part of this has sort of been a topic that's been there for a little while but certainly on the global stage something that's getting talked about a lot um and the interesting thing in that and i think what we want to do in today's podcast is actually flesh out as a starting point what is esg because that's sort of moved a lot over time as information's become available as people's understandings of what it is but i think it's um well very simply it used to be ethical but essentially now it's been bundled into this concept of esg which stands for environmental and these some ways are bent screens themes, so environmental, mm. social, and governance. That's what ESG stands for, right? Yep. But it's essentially, I think, it's a method of people saying, I now want to have an investment portfolio that has some link to my personal beliefs, some personal values. It's not to a point of customization. We'll talk about that yeah. down the yep. track. Yep. But it's essentially a start on that journey as people are becoming more aware it's really taking hold. I'm, I'm finding people uh, are just are taking the view. I agree with exactly what you said, but they're, they're even taking a much broader view in the sense that saying, "Rightio, well, I, I I just want ESG investing because it's probably going to do better for the world than than this other portfolio." Without actually really knowing, looking under the bonnet and knowing what that means, because I think that's important. I think we might do a little bit of a deep dive and, and look at the under a bonnet to see what it actually means when you're investing in separate portfolios because they're not all the same. No, absolutely. And I think you're right there. It's a, it's a touch on that. It's a, if I can do less harm hmm. and, and I get the outcomes that I'm comfortable with, why would I not? All right? And it, it's interesting that most people have focused it um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of it, some of the screening, but initially it got a People focused on it with regards to stock market investing or company investings, but there's actually greater opportunities to do it in the bond markets because yep. the bond markets are much bigger. And what became apparent in in those particular markets is that these screens, and we'll talk about what some of the examples of those screens are, could be applied. And because of the size of the offerings on fire, it could be done without limiting diversification. Mm. That was always one of the biggest struggles in some ways, particularly for advisors like us that... We're not against the concept of ESG, but it was does can I still get that trade off without suffering mm. diversification and be too different to what is happening yeah. in the marketplace? And, and of recent times, when we have spoken to clients, that's that's been a big part of the conversation. 
that they have to accept that the diversification spread, it just isn't as big. So it may react a little bit differently to what the, I say, a general Australian share portfolio would would act. Uh, ESG, Australian share portfolio, may just act a little bit differently over certain times. Yeah. For good and bad. Yeah. So it's not saying one's better than the other, but they do react differently. Yeah, different. And so I suppose before we get into a couple of mm. examples of that, maybe we should talk about a couple of the high-level screens yep. that are used in this field, all right? So the, the first, and I suppose it's the obvious one, where that people think about, well, I just won't invest in something. I'll exclude it, yep. right? And and in lots of cases, it's things like weapons. Oh, yeah. yeah, weapons, alcohol, tobacco, child labour. Child labour that, and that those sort, sort of stuff, of stuff yep. which fall in. So that's, that's the obvious one, right? And, mm. you know, if you are dealing in a quite a concentrated portfolio, that's where you can get a big diversification, but there's some, there's some, just some big luggies and they're in some ways, they're the easy wins, I suppose. Yep. And people understand that, but there's much more to being able to tailor a portfolio yep. than simply taking so, stuff out. So you have the exclusion then you have what they call is positive screening. Yep. So, which is a, a filter placed where um, a portfolio may, for example, invest in companies that, you know, have a positive impact on the environment and renewable energy and that sort of thing. Yeah. So they, they, their business is structured towards that. Yeah, or even we take a position that once we, you know, there is generally in most ESGs a high level of exclusion that happens, that's the obvious mm. stuff, but then the the portfolio is tilted with greater weightings yep. towards those companies that are making more positive impacts in that area. Um, another one is um, they talk about engagement, which is which again comes more on the governance side, which is the area that, people don't focus as much on where um, investment houses, um, shareholder groups are taking active engagement with the boards of directors and with the um, structure of the company, removing documentation out of company constitutions where one shareholder is potentially favoured against another, the idea of poison pills, which yep. you know we can talk about. But it's, it's engaging with either individual companies or companies across sectors to get better outcomes going, you know, for example, if, if I dig coal out of the ground today, I can't mm -hmm. step, stop digging coal out of the ground tomorrow, but how do we engage to move away from those They, they have a process to Correct. do it over time. Yeah. Yep. There's a couple others. I mean, they've done, they call best in class um, screening as, as well. Um where you may have, you know, companies, for example, and investors choose to invest in companies that have the a track record that, as you said, will reduce, say, carbon emissions over time, or they do it better than Their companies. other companies around the way. So again, a portfolio may be filtered towards those. Not that they exclude carbon altogether, yep. but they their best practice to try and offload it. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the last major one, which mm. is this concept of impact investing. And the interesting thing, and, and there is a couple of organisations or one in particular, uh, Inside Guy, they've done a lot of work in this area where people say, for me, my investment of capital is not so much about the return, the financial return that I get for it, but for the impact that it has on the people that I invest with. So, mm. for example, taking my money and saying, I want to invest in clean water projects in Africa or somewhere where the community benefits, but I'm not seeing a direct investment. It's almost philanthropic. 
I mean, it yep. can't, it, some, there's, there's things like micro-lending, you know, where I can put some small amounts of money into a community to fund small businesses, you know, sustenance site businesses that can grow through time and that add-on effect. Mm. And so that's an interesting way, to, a completely different way of looking at it where you're not saying, it's not about the return I get, it's about the impact and, and that the I capital think, has. I think that there is, is a pertinent point and very interesting for investors. So people that are coming that want to accumulate wealth or going into retirement to understand that at times there is this trade-off and are you willing to do that to do that trade-off? Because that's important because when you're talking about investing, in general, people are trying to build their wealth or create money to, so they can continue to live down, yep. down the track. So sometimes there are trade-offs. Yeah, and sometimes... That we'll people, discuss later yeah, on. Yeah, and sometimes people get to a point where they believe that they've got what I would call surplus capital, where mm. it's more about making change Absolutely. for the good and that's where that impact investing. Yep. We haven't yep. done anything, but we had a great presentation in Montreal at the last conference from from a lady who's doing a lot of work in that area. I think it might maybe that's a good segue into a conversation that you've had recently with a couple of clients mm. who have created portfolios more recently with a sort yep. of an ESG filter yeah. bent. So, yeah, so most of the investments that we are using, we're using screens... I mean, there's some obvious exclusions, and we'll talk about pros and cons and some things people have done wrong there um, in the area of greenwashing a bit later. But the impact that that tilt or that exclusion has had on different I'll, parts I'll, of the I'll portfolio. Give you, I'll give you a scenario. So, um, yeah, we, we had a client that came to us, well, just took over 12 months ago, let's just say 18 months ago. We put portfolios in place and they their values, they wanted their values aligned to the ethical style of investing which is totally fine and we had the discussion around diversification we can do it but this is how it would stand and if you remember back then um, the returns on a lot of ethical investment funds were actually quite yeah, good in, compa- in comparison in certainly to the, to the index right mm-hmm. so of recent time they were really well it just so happens over the last 12 months or if we look at 2022 that the returns on those style of funds aren't quite <laughs> as quite as good so they haven't uh, they haven't moved in the same direction as a, you know, your standard portfolio that follows the Australian ASX 200 index, yep. for example. To give you, I'll give you an example. So if we look at um, one of the large um, funds, Vanguard, if we just look at their two funds, they've got what's called an Australian share, um, sorry, Australian share index fund. And they've also got their ethic, ethically conscious, get a bit tongue-tied yep. fund as well, which in fairness has not been around that long. Um, because as we know, they're quite new products. But if you, if you just look at the past 12 months return, the share index fund has had a return of say 6.6% and the ethically conscious fund has had a return of 4.5%. So there's a bit of a, a difference there. Now, if we extend that over, they've only been around about three years. So, But since inception, the ethical conscious funds had about a 9.83% return. Um, and you look at their three-year return on the Australian share fund has been eight point one one, so massive swings. A in massive such a swing short period of time. Yeah, and and to be fair, the, the the part of the reality in most investments in this area or products in this area in recent times has been driven on the environmental side. I mean, it's the it's the biggest screen. Environmental and social are the mm. two people things that people make make most, and a lot of the 
underperformance in the last 12 months has been because the energy sector has gone absolutely bizarre. Yeah, exactly. Right, And and essentially a lot of them are screened out. And either screened out as exclusionary or certainly screened in a way that their weightings are slightly reduced based on um, a positive screen. So it's just been a... It's just been a whammy. So again, with with as far as investing, it's just a snapshot in time. It's just the last 12 months, which as we know, we take a long-term outlook. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, So there's some, I mean, in reality, I think what's going to happen over a period of time as technology gets better, as investment portfolio actions get better, and certainly there's already starting to be opportunities in the United States that I think will drift down to Australia where people will be able to tailor portfolios based on their own preferences, right? They may not even be environmental, social or governance. There may be a particular... Um, reason because of your own personal beliefs or religious beliefs or whatever it may be, and you'll be able to tailor portfolios. And this is just a lesson in the fact that if that's what you want to do, that's fantastic, but you should remember that you should compare yourself against things that are similar because you've started to move yeah. fr- away from the average, right? So, so at the moment, obviously, depending on what um, investment fund manager you use, they'll have their own set of rules, I say under the the ESG soil investments, yeah. But so what you're saying is, so at the moment you're sort of grouped. You're going to fund your grouped under all these, um, these you get set the, of rules, right? You get, you get the, the broad. It's not light, so it's, but you get a classification that suits the biggest amount of people. Okay. And if you've got a particular bent that's maybe not exactly the same as what is the what is believed to be the general populace. Yep. You may not you get exactly what you but, but I think over time we're we're, look, we're talking that may happen, oh, which could bring believable. a whole heap of other invis- issues to consider, mainly possibly diversification again, which is yeah. always a big one. But um, for a lot of people, it's going to be the ability to tailor, which is a good thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. being, it, it's certainly powerful to be able to align your belief system and your values to what your outcomes are, and understanding the trade offs that you're making. And it's like anything; you make an informed decision. Just remember that's why it was done. Now, I just want to touch on one thing, and you, you alluded to it earlier, and this is this is one of the cons, I yeah. guess, to be aware of, is uh, is this, um, uh, I guess it's greenwashing, they call it. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that yeah, and a I bit of your it's got uh, research a, you've done around that? Yeah, it's got a bit of press lately because particularly ASIC, the Australian uh, Securities Investment Commission, has actually taken a real interest in this, mm. right? Um, from a consumer protection point of view, mainly, right? And so they, I just looked it up on their website, they describe greenwashing as the practice of misrepresenting the extent to which a financial product or strategy is environmentally friendly, sustainable or ethical. So it's distorting the investments um, or the the marketing material doesn't match what actually happened. Right? So, so, so essentially they can claim to have good ESG practices but not necessarily implement? Is that... Yeah, yeah. That- or, yeah, or or not implement it in the way that the general populace will believe that they okay. have done. Yep. All right? Yep. And so it could be as simple as the marketing materials got pictures of trees and goodness knows what on it mm-hmm. and one of the major holdings in the portfolio is a forestry company. Now, I'm not dishing forestry companies but... That that to the general populace, that, yeah, that's a mismatch. Seeing, what you guess doesn't yeah. seem doesn't seem correct. And, and yeah. they've been barking on about this for a while, but interestingly, they actually at the end of Feb, so just on a month ago, they actually launched their first proceedings against a provider mm-hmm. under the green under green allegations of greenwashing. And and I you know, it's it's publicly available information. I'm not going to mention the the provider, but 
I just want to quickly you know, touch on what they've said because it's an awareness thing, right? It's mm. like we did a podcast ages ago that said, you know, just because the fund says it's balanced doesn't mean it's the same as yep. Fund B's balance fund, right? You actually got to – it's a bit like this conversation about alignment of value. You've got to understand what you're buying and as long as you're buying what you understand to be buying, everything yep. is cool. Yep. Read, right? the, read the PDS, Jason. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, read the detail. <laughs> so this particular – um, company had a sustainable plus option that, and they described it as suitable for members who are deeply committed to sustainability because they excluded investments in companies involved in carbon intensive fossil fuels like thermal coal and the other exclusions that were stated to apply include um, excluding alcohol production gambling. Mm. All right. ASICs alleged that members who took up this option actually ended up investing in companies and industries that the website had claimed were excluded. For example, they found 15 companies involved in the extraction of or the sale of carbon-intensive fossil fuels, mm-hmm. 15 companies inside the portfolio involved in the production of alcohol, and 19 companies involved in gambling activities. Yes. So they had... Yeah. And so what they're basically saying is that it's not that that's a bad portfolio... But if I'm investing in something that I believe to be ESG, I'm probably not expecting to have something in the vicinity of 50 companies. Essentially, they're not doing what they they said they were going to do. They just weren't doing what they were doing. And I think that that's the big scare because it's unfortunately become a – there's a bit of hype and there's a bit of marketing and people take opportunities, a bit like an opportunity we did before about don't sell on returns. You know, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because someone says it is what it is. Take a sceptical view of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would be the case because some of these alcohol companies or tobacco companies are actually companies that are good performers and they need and they're throwing them in there uh, behind the scenes to try and get that re- extra I, return? Do you? My gut feel is it's probably paid a part, right? Because yep. it doesn't say whether they were there the whole time, no. whether they were there for part of the time. But yep. if your portfolio is starting to look a lot different to the Joe average, mm. then generally providers it's it's called tracking error in the industry without getting it but it's how yep. the margin by which i look different to those i'm being marked against mm. and yeah deep down it i'm not saying in this case but i'm sure it well it has played a part in other areas over mm. long periods of time and i just think it's a it's something to be aware of you know i'm there's i have i have a value system i you know i would like to have you know if if i have the opportunity i would prefer to do no harm right that, absolutely you know, i don't think I think Any, most of us around the world would prefer that. That's right. And, no but doubt. it's just making sure that if we're going to go yeah. down that path, that we actually get what we're asking for. And I think that that's, that's really the biggest thing. I think that's the reason for this. It, it's, there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of hype around this. If you are passionate about this, just make sure that what you're actually getting aligns with it's, what you think yeah, you're getting. Yeah. Make sure you have a look lessons. under the bonnet, which, bonnet sorry, which, we, which we said at the start. Um, and I think the, the the great thing about this, as those numbers said, in you know, a third of the funds under management in a couple of years' time is going to be in these style of investments. Who knows? You know, in 10, 15 years' time, it could be half, could be seventy percent, um, which I think is a good thing. If if companies are sort of changing their ways, and that's what we're looking at for the environment, I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think as society changes over time, people, you know. The early adopters tend to stand out. They look mm. a lot different when they first do stuff. Yep. And then over time, you know, if it's of benefit and, the and you know, deep down the world's a better place, then people will follow, right? Because I think at the end of the day, we're all 
decent and, human beings. And, and watch this space with the, the regards of maybe having more flexibility going forward to being able to uh, be more selective and, and choose values that actually align to you. Yeah, I think that's a, mm, that's a, that's a, that's a, a really one, interesting that's thing. That's going to be interesting. Right, yeah. and it's a bit like anything. If you've Once you get to a point of critical capital or you get, you know, and you can deal with it, you know, you're possibly not going to be able to do that with $1,000, yeah. but you may not need $100 million to do it either because technology is evolving. And I think that that's going to be an exciting area. I think it's going to be quite good and it's going to be really an additional value where we're going to be able to help people mm. align their financial outcomes with their personal beliefs yep. and yeah. it's exciting. And I think for the for the people that are investing in it, um, in those types of funds, certainly over the last 12 months, don't panic. No, um, absolutely you, you haven't not. Done it, you haven't done anything wrong. They, they're doing what they're meant to be doing. I just don't think that they're meant to react the same way as other funds. You've got to compare, as we said, apples with apples. Yeah, it's like we've said for, I've said for a long time. We can feel upset when we see that the Dow Jones is down, you know, 150 points, whatever that means overnight. But if I actually haven't got all my money invested in the Dow Jones, it doesn't mean <laughs> it absolutely doesn't crap. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's given um, the listeners a good insight to uh, ethical investment, the types that are available, what they are, certain filters, what's coming ahead for this type of uh, these types of investment. Certainly a huge growth area um, in regards to assets under management globally um, going forward. And as we said, watch this space for, for more possible flexibility around the filters that you can choose. Yeah, and we've got a couple of contacts inside our network, which if we get some interest and people like, might be able to do an interview. I've got some Absolutely. colleagues in the in, in America that would happily jump on and have a quick chat and talk a bit more in detail about where the rubber hits the road and the sort of stuff that has to be done or the challenge they face in actually implementing what it mm. is that people are chasing. So yeah. jump on our Facebook page, let us, um, let us know what you think, give us some feedback, and uh, we look forward to chatting further. Talk soon. Cheers. Bye. podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice. Fowler's Group ABN 5710524284 is an authorised representative number 230575 and credit representative number 403265 of FYG Planners Propriety Limited ABN 5509497254040 Australian Financial Services and Credit Licence Number 224543.